Pray with me. Oh, Father God, it is true. You are great. And what joy is ours to sing of your greatness and of your strength and of your beauty. But Father, we would never know it apart from your own son's weakness and his submission to you and your will to rescue sinners like us so that we can be brought into your presence and sing how great is our God. May his greatness fill this room. May you receive the glory that is due. And may we be in awe of the Son who would bring us to you. Thank you, Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. As you find your seats, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 21. We're going to look just at one verse today. And really, as Reggie said, this is going to be a springboard into the next couple of weeks. Because we're going to be talking about some hard stuff here. Culturally hard stuff. The Bible is going to call us into submission. It's going to say certain roles are supposed to submit to others. But really, it begins with us as a community. Understanding living a life of submission. So as we read God's holy word today, we'll just be looking at verse 21 and use that as a springboard into others. But listen. Listen. Listen to what God has to say to us. He says to submit. Submitting to one another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. God's holy word. As we begin, and we're going to hear about God's call to submit to one another, can we first bless one another? Can we bless one another by reminding one another of the peace that we have in Christ? Because it is out of reverence for Christ, out of love, out of joy, that we can come and worship and say, how great is God? And how great it is to submit to one another in his name. But how great it is to have peace. Sinners like us have peace with God. So as an act of worship, as you remind one another and greet one another, but may the peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another. As you find your seats. Come on, we got a lot to do. Paul has been painting a picture, and it's an incredible picture that he paints for us, about us, because of Jesus through the letter to Ephesus. And he says that folks like us that deserve God's wrath, have been given God's mercy, he's been lavished upon us. And although we were dead in our trespasses and sins because of God's electing eternal love for us, that he has made sinners like us alive in Christ Jesus. Dead people have come to life, and that's us, those of us who are in Christ he says those who are far off, those who were separated because of races or because of religion or because of values or because of economy, it's all been brought together to be one. 
Not only do dead people become alive in Christ, but those who are separated become unified. And there's an incredible, beautiful picture of who we are as one body. And that's who we are, one in Christ. And now he's telling us, he's unpacking for what it means to be the family of God. What it means to live in unity in the midst of diversity. What it means to submit to authority. And here we get to this section of Scripture that really is not culturally relevant. Something that our culture will rail against. Something that our our sinful souls naturally may rail against. Because Paul is calling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that your life and my life are so connected to one another, so connected to one another in Christ, that he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. I mean, to really care about community, not just to say we are family and sing that little song, not just to talk about community, but to live in submission to one another as we are submitting ourselves to Christ. Next week, we're going to talk about specifically the role of husbands and wives and how this this word that our culture wants to say is a dirty word of submission. And what does the Bible really say about that? The following week, we're going to talk about children's roles with parents and what it means to be godly parents. But listen, we're not going to get next week, and we're not going to get in two weeks, and we're not going to really get God until we understand submission. It's not a dirty word. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word that was so beautifully displayed in the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who would demonstrate for us what it means to submit, who would demonstrate to us what power, what beauty, what joy it is to submit, and we are called to follow him. We've had an intruder into our church offices, some English chap about my age, pretty good-looking guy. His name is Marcus Buckingham. And he's making a quite an impact on our church offices. How many of y'all know Marcus Buckingham? Uh, maybe some of you business folks might know him. Uh, he's written a few uh, books, very, very good books. I've actually heard him speak at a Christian conference. Don't believe yet he's regenerate. I don't know. I don't know the uh, state of his soul. But he's got really good stuff. And as Christians, we know all truth is God's truth. So we want to hear what God has to say through vessels like Marcus Buckingham. You know what? When you speak in an English accent, you just get about 20 points up on the IQ chart. Is it not true? I mean, I just wish that I could speak one sermon uh, in, in English that's the Queen's English. And you'd all say, that was just delightful. You know, you'd say, wow, Jeff has gotten smarter. What's this? You can't see him, can you? But pretty good looking guy. And you know what happens is, is... Uh, Every week, this Cambridge graduate who has a master's degree in social and political science, uh, who now is a consultant, author, and speaker, and really a leading authority on uh, employee productivity and the practices of leading and managing. Every week, Marcus Buckingham calls into our office. It's true. And we gather around the conference room, and mostly the gals rush and kind of break down the door. And we tile in, it's not just to us, and we listen to Marcus speak of how we can be more effective. I'm reading one of his books. It's actually, I'm out of order. I think this is an older book. Now discover your strengths. And with this book, it's pretty amazing. In this book, you've got to buy it, but then you get on the back cover, there's some special secret code 
that will allow you two to go on the internet and you will be able to take a test and it will tell you of the 34 already ranked themes of strength what your strengths are. You know what mine said? Seek counseling immediately. (laughs) What I like about Buckingham is this. He says this. He says, really what you need to do is realize, and I'm going to, this is my, this is God's word, not Buckingham's. Each of us is uniquely created in God's image. Because of that, you have great value and worth. And each of you have been created not only in God's image, but each of us have been endowed with gifts. And as we come to Christ, gifts of the spirit and we're to employ these gifts to advance, build up the church. Well, Buckingham, in his role, says this. Listen, we spent so much time analyzing our weaknesses. We spend so much time looking at where we are deficient, either individually or corporately. We're missing the boat. Your greatest impact will be through your strengths. Maximize your strengths. If you maximize your strengths, for example, if you have a salesperson who's really, 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 really good at engaging people and making them feel comfortable and they really, really, really stink at filling out their reports, you're wasting your time training them to fill out their reports. Maximize them. Get them in front of your clients. Let them shine where he shines. He's going to experience joy because that's the way he is wired. He is going to be more productive or she's going to be more productive. And it's going to be a benefit for everybody. Discover your strengths, Buckingham says, and maximize them, and you will have more of the abundant life. I like that. I believe there's a lot of wisdom in that for even the church. We have to ask ourselves the question, what are our strengths? I want you to know I do that, I do that for Orangewood. I realize that we are a part of the kingdom of God, and what a privilege it is to be a part of that kingdom, is it not? That God has called us together. We're a pretty special family, are we not? I believe we are. Yet at the same time, I realize that we are not the only church, just the best. We're not the only family, just the special ones. All right, okay, you got me, you can understand what I'm saying. But how has God uniquely gifted us? What are our strengths? How do we maximize that for his glory? That's a good question. Are we just spending time trying to improve our weaknesses? Yet, when we look at this text today, it says this. It says, submission. Submission should be a strength of the church, not a weakness. And what appears to be so weak from a distance, what appears to be culturally weak, really is so strong. And that is God is calling us to submit to one another. To really, I mean, to go beyond just loving one another with words and placate one another, but really to carry one another's burdens. I mean, really, it's calling us to get low. I mean, really, really low to the point where whoever we are, pastor, elder, deacon, women's ministry leader, whoever we are, we are submitting to one another in love out of reverence for Christ. What an incredible picture that will be for us of what Jesus has done and for our community of what it means to be Christians. You see, we will never understand submission. Culturally, they cannot understand submission until we understand the gospel and see submission as God's beautiful gift to us from Him. Here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus is the only way that we can make sense out of this call. Because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that we are to submit to one another. 
And the only way it makes sense, if we just can see the beauty of the submission of the Son in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And that's my first point is this. God's beautiful gift of submission. We cannot understand submission, nor can we uh, submit to that, can submit to one another, nor can we execute this until that we understand. Listen, this is so important. Until you and I understand that we are radically loved by the Father, that we are incredibly cleansed in the Son, that we are made beautiful and unique in the Spirit. Until we understand in the depths of our beings the gospel, we cannot submit to one another because we'll be too prideful to submit. You know, I think about this submission, submit to one another, and really, uh, I think most of us here are are moral folks. Uh, You clean up nicely. Most of us would agree that this is an important thing. Uh, Most of us here will say the Bible is true, it's God's word, uh, that we are to submit to one another in reference for Christ. But let's just, just take away this little morality stuff and the church talk, and let's get down to it. Because here's what it says to us, that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But don't we really play God when it comes to this verse? Uh, A few weeks ago, Ted Sin preached, and he talked about how there's things in our lives that challenge our divinity, that challenge us being God. I like that so much because really this challenges my divinity. When God says to me and to you that we are to submit to one another, I can handle that as long as I judge that it's worth it. As long as I deem in my own mind, and maybe even through some scriptural filters, that they deserve it, will I submit. And really what I have done is I have set myself up even above God's holy word, saying I will pick and choose, I will cherry pick submission. I'll really submit to those who deserve it. I'll submit to those who deem worthy. You know what? I'll submit to those who will make me feel good. I'll submit to those who will make me look good. I'll cherry pick my submission. But God's word doesn't give us that opportunity. He says, no, you need to submit to one another. There's a lot of ways we can submit to one another that is wrong. There's a lot of ways that this can be seen. It can be twisted. It can be moralized. And the gospel can be absent from it. And until we understand the gospel, and I hope that God will give me the words, and I know they'll still be insufficient, to paint the beauty of what Jesus has done. But until we understand it, we cannot submit out of reverence for Christ. Now listen. Look at this verse again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And really, I'll just highlight and underline and ingrain in your soul out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Out of a love affair with one who would be equal to Father and yet would submit himself to come and rescue us. Out of reverence for Christ because of the one, although he were rich and owned it all and had all power, he would become poor. Out of reverence for Christ, although he is the giver of the law and the maker of all things, that God himself, out of reverence for Christ, would become flesh. The the eternal word would become flesh and become man. And out of reverence for Christ, this one, this Christ, would submit himself to the law. He'd humble himself. The law that he's so much greater than and he's above. He would humble himself to wear our flesh and experience our pain and our sorrow. The one who's so beautiful who would submit to the Father and submit himself to the law. And he would submit himself even, he would submit himself even to a curse and a cross. The one who would submit himself to nails and crowns of thorn. 
The one that would submit himself to a grave. The one that would submit himself to the wrath of the Father for our sins and everything that we deserve of the Father's displeasure. The one that would submit himself hung naked on a cross being a curse and separated from the Father out of reverence for Christ, my brothers and sisters. Out of the beauty of what God made flesh has done for us. Out of reverence for Christ, we are to submit to one another. You see, you take away that reverence for Christ and we might submit to one another out of fear. Well, God's word says I need to submit and you know, God's awful powerful and he carries a really big stick. And maybe if I don't submit, I might end up like Scott Alexander and have a terrible disease. And I better submit because if not, um, he's coming after me. The hound of heaven is coming and I'll submit out of fear. And really what we're saying in that is this, I'll submit as long as I don't get hurt. It's not the gospel, my friends. We may say I'll submit out of selfishness so that I may receive the reward and I might receive the righteousness of what I do. And that too is not out of reverence for Christ. We say, and that out of submitting out of selfishness, we say, well, I'll do this so I'll be rewarded for what I do. People will think I'm moral. People will think I'm good. People will say, look at that. And I'll submit out of selfishness. That too is wrong. Submit out of duty. Submitting out of duty will say, I will make myself clean and righteous. God cares as much about why we do something as what we do. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I'll tell you what, if you do, your life will change. God cares as much about why we do something as what we do. And the only way we get this submission thing is if we really understand the good news of the gospel and what Christ has done. You see, he doesn't want us to submit because of fear, because he poured his wrath out on his son. He doesn't want us to submit because out of duty, he wants us to submit as a response to what his son has done for us. Submission out of reverence, out of a fear, out of a love, out of obedience to Jesus. We are to submit to one another. We realize that his cause is bigger than our cause. His name is bigger than our name. When the gospel penetrates deep into our pores and we respond out of a love for Christ, a love for Christ should compel us to submit to one another. Anything else is moralism and duty. You see, the God's beautiful gift of submission, here's why it's a beautiful gift. You want to know why? Because it paints a picture of Jesus. And the most beautiful picture your life can ever paint, and the most beautiful picture that creation itself paints, is a picture of Jesus. Our need for a Savior, our need for redemption, clearly seen in the fact that He submitted to the Father to come rescue us. Living life in submission is a life that reflects Jesus. Well, it's beautiful submission because uh, we can show the beauty of submitting to authority. Out of reverence for Christ, we submit to authority. Now listen, he established it all. For those of you who are taking notes, write down Romans 13, 1 and 2. And I'm going to give you some references coming up here pretty quickly. And let me encourage you to go back and, and uh, uh, look at those. But here's what basically Jesus says um, through the Apostle Paul. In Romans 13, all authority, all authority, all authority. How much authority? All authority 
has been established by God. Pagan authority, church authority, uh, the authority of, of, of our, our city, of our state, of our government, of the world, all authority, all authority, God's word says this, has been established by God. And because God says, I've established it, and because out of reverence and love for me, we are to submit to it, therefore we're to submit to authority. Sometimes it becomes really a hassle. I remember my father-in-law, a very uh, upright, godly man, but one thing he couldn't stand was the seatbelt law. And he just thought, why in the world should any government official have any right about if I wear my seatbelt or not? It's none of their business, he would say. If I'm not smart enough to put myself into a seatbelt, if I want to be going 60 miles an hour when I hit that thing and, and not be buckled in, that is my business, he would say. Really, the government does not have the authority to tell me what to do. And he makes a very sound, logical argument, and that's one of the only arguments he ever made. But the bottom line is, do we believe, even as something as small and petty as wearing a seatbelt, is all authority God's authority? And do we willingly submit out of love and reverence to Jesus to do that? Because here's what we're saying. When we obey the law, we're not saying... Accept me, God, because I'm moral. No, you've already loved me because I'm in yours. And I acknowledge out of fear of Jesus, out of reverence for him, I acknowledge that all authority is God's authority. Every single one of it. And my brothers and sisters, what do we do? I cherry pick. I just cherry pick the rules. I cherry pick the regulations. Ones that fit me. Ones that don't cramp my lifestyle. Ones that still allow me to go really fast and do the things I want to do. Is it like that with you? You see, can you, can you see when we don't submit to authority that really what we're doing, we don't have that reverence for Christ? Because somehow we've missed the reality that all authority is God's authority. It's true. Render unto Caesars what is Caesars, Jesus would say. And in, in doing it, listen, it's, it's not that you're placating them, it's that you're glorifying me. They're going to have to give an account. You see, there's this beautiful submission to authority, and you see it in the life of Jesus. He embodies this. Here's what we got to realize. Now, listen, this is so important. Open, open up both ears for this and, and hear this. Jesus never asked us to do something that he was unwilling to do. God made flesh was willing to submit himself to authority. It's a great conversation that the Gospel of John tells us in, in John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. And Pilate is really in trouble because he wants to let Jesus go, but he's got a mob that's screaming to crucify him. And here's justice in the Roman system. Take an innocent man and condemn him to death because the mob tells you to. Unbelievable. Pilate wants a way out. His wife's already told him, man, be careful of this guy. There's something about this guy that's unbelievable. And in a conversation with Jesus, he says to him in John 19, verse 9, Jesus, do you not know who I am? Do you not know that I have the authority right now to let you go? And I have the authority to let you die. And Jesus says, Pilate, you have no authority that wasn't given to you from heaven. And yet he was willing to submit. The only authority he realized, even God's own son submitting to that authority and becoming death. Because you see Jesus, we can't forget this beautiful picture. Jesus had the authority 
to call 10,000 angels. Jesus had the authority to call 10,000 angels and say, stop the show, I'm not dying. Stop the show, I'm not going to that cross. Stop, I'm not going to become a curse and a sin. I'm not going to endure God's wrath. I have that authority, but although I have that authority, I lay it down. And I'll submit so that we can have life. What a tendency I have to rail against authority, even the churches. You know, it's amazing. We, we, we judge so much all authority, and, and I see it, and I know, I know this could be a bit self-serving, and I know this is my world, and I'm sorry, but i got to tell it to you. It's amazing when I hear you speak of how much, even with the church, you know that we're called to be under authority. It's important for you to be a part of this family. It's important for you to be under authority of God's word and God's leaders that he's raised up. And yet many of us will say, I'm going to hold this back until I see them do a better job. I mean, they just, they, what are they doing over there? And you know what we're doing? I know better. I'm placing myself above God's authority. Yes, we're going to be held accountable. But we need to be in submission to authority. And sometimes we just judge with our actions. Beautiful submission to the weak. Out of reverence to Christ, we submit to the weak. Okay, the authority, we get it. Okay, maybe that's pretty clear. But he modeled what it was like to submit to the weak. Jesus says, what you've done for the least of these, you do for me. And then we realize that we really are the weak. Because here's what he says. He, God, by God's grace, he took him who had everything. He was rich and he made him poor so that we who are poor and have nothing but sin can become rich. We've got to realize that we are the weak and how he has empowered us by becoming weak for us. You see, listen, my brothers and sisters, God has given us power. God has given us wealth. God has given us position. God has given us status so that we can empower others. It's just not about us. It is for Christ and his kingdom. And if we're too prideful to love our neighbors as ourselves, we're missing it. And then there's this beautiful submission to appear out of one another, out of reverence to Christ. We are to submit to one another. And again, he demonstrates this. Philippians 2, there's one passage, I've had about 100 I wanted to read to you, but I'm only going to have time for one. Philippians 2, verse 3 and following says this. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit or selfish ambition, but in humility, my brothers and sisters, God's word tells us in humility that we are to count others more significant than ourselves. We are to submit to one another. We are to count them more significant to our, than each other, than, than to ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is the mind of Christ Jesus, who, though he was in form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the gospel is this. Jesus 
is equal in power and glory to the Father. He's equal. Every right, He's the same. Eternal. And yet, the one who is equal willingly submits and becomes nothing. Of emptying Himself of all but love so He can come and rescue us and do the Father's will. That's the picture of submitting to one another in Christ. That's the picture we'll see in marriage. That's the picture we'll see in the church that we have to realize that God is calling peers like us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A last word. Because it's out of reverence for Christ, we do not need to submit to what is harmful and sinful. Do we hear that? Out of reverence for Christ and the beauty of the gospel, out of reverence for Christ, we do not... Wives, you do not have to hear your husbands beat you into submission. We do not have to submit to that which is clearly sinful and dishonoring out of reverence for Christ. Oh, how sinful man has manipulated this verse for its own gain. God help us. God is calling us to submit to one another out of fear and love for him in a way that makes the other beautiful, in a way that makes him beautiful and tells his story. How is it with you? Are you submitting to one another? Are you laying your life down for one another? Are you loving one another in Christ? Or are you cherry-picking the rules and the regulations and those who you're willing to submit to because of the cause of Christ and the glory of the church? May we truly submit to one another in love. Let us pray. Father, the table before us is, is a tangible reminder of the gospel, the good news that one who is God, one who is all-powerful would become weak and broken so that we could become strong and yet so that we can become weak in Christ and serve others. Father, forgive me. I cherry-pick the rules. Father, forgive me. I cherry-pick those who... I choose to submit to in those I don't. Father, forgive me because I will hold what you've told me to give because I'll see that someone's not worthy. Show us afresh, Jesus. May we truly realize what he has done for us that gives us the power to give back to one another and submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Take a few moments and just think about out of the reverence of Christ what he has done for you as the elders come forward and prepare the table for this great meal.